welcome to the show, another edition of my little podcast here. And uh, if you're tuning into this one, then uh, I know you're a hardcore fan because uh, this is, you know, the guy that I have on today is obviously not a household name yet, uh, but I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. Matthew W., that's what he's going by right now. Uh, not revealing his last name as of yet, uh, but he hosts a little podcast of his own called West Coast Radio. And I was lucky enough to be a guest on this show. And I was really blown away at his interviewing skills and just the conversation we had and the back and forth. And, uh, you know, I hadn't planned on having him on my show at the time because when he reached out, I was swamped with guests. So, um, of course, you know, those things come in waves that when it rains, it pours. And then when it dries up, it's a drought. And so, you know, I had some room and I thought, I want to have him on my show just because I enjoyed our conversation so much. So, um, and, you know, there's not a lot of stuff out there on this kid that I could find. You know, I like to do a lot of research on my guests, but he's relatively unknown in that, in that regard. Uh, he hasn't done a lot of other interviews and such. So I'm just asking him stuff from shows that I've heard and, and things that I want to pick his brain on. And I thought it was a really fun conversation. I hope you guys agree. Here you go. Matthew W. Welcome to the show, Matthew W. How you doing? Thank you to be here. I'm doing very well. Dude, this is fun. We've been chatting off air for like a half an hour, and now we're doing the show. I feel like we had a good show. I could have just put out with the 30 minutes we just talked about. We talked about my shitty Everclear interview and all sorts of fun stuff, but now we get to talk about you. Very excited. Thank you. You know, I'll tell you, nobody's done this yet, but um, I, I think if you had a bar somewhere and you had a podcaster like yourself or myself, and you just put a microphone, Roadcaster Pro down, and uh, you said, talk. You had one microphone open. Somebody at the bar wanted to speak, you know? I think that'd be a great little gimmick for a bar, don't you? Yeah. So would this be like a live podcast or something they record and then put an edit and put out later? Or? Yeah. So you, you record it and you put it out later, but it's like, a, you know, let's say a bar in downtown Tempe or something like that. Um, maybe a quieter bar. It couldn't be too loud, but you had you and you would sit down, you work for tips or something like that. And you just start talking. Work for tips. And, huh. I like that. Money would be good. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not getting too much. So, so yeah, is it okay? I got, I got to ask cause I want to be careful. Is it okay if we talk about your background a little or is that not okay? I want to be sensitive. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I don't think there's too much out there. Um, you know, that would get me in trouble. So yeah, go ahead. No, but just like, yeah. Cause I think we talked about this when I was on your show that you were a military brat and you've moved around a lot. So like how many different cities have you lived in? Okay, so we'll start born in Texas, um, moved to Chicago for a little bit, and then moved to, and some of these places you'll, you know, they're not military bases, but if it's not a military base spot, it's just, that's where our reservist little compost was. Okay. Um, so Chicago, and then Washington, um, went to North Carolina from there, Florida, and then back to Washington. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, not, not too many places. So like, what would you move every year or two right um, when you're getting comfortable moving, most of the moving was done pre 11 years old and then uh, it was only like two moves two or three moves post 11 so it wasn't too difficult to deal with um you know i moved up to washington i think i was 11 so okay gotcha so then talk about how you started to get into podcasts and i guess first it started out with a love for talk radio which is unusual because you i mean you're so young like usually people don't get into talk radio till they're a little older my first memory of talk radio was Dr. Laura. Do you remember Dr. Laura? Oh yeah, vaguely. Yeah, didn't she? It was like a self-help kind of thing, right? People call a, in a, and she kind of berated them, didn't she? She's mean. Yeah, she's brutally mean. I, I remember that uh, one of my first memories of Dr. Laura was 
She said, and you, he's just looking for a warm place to put it. You can't be so easy. <laughs> I, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was very young, but I just remember being in the back seat of the car. Oh, so like your mom's listening to your dad or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just, okay. just being a wee lad in the back seat and just being half asleep and you're listening to the radio. It started off with Dr. Laura. And then for a little while, it was Adam Carolla. And he's the first person that got me in just even thinking about the idea of podcasting. So it was, I think, 2008 or 2007, but he was getting fired from CBS. Mm. And he said, listen, CBS and radio in general, they're making the stupidest move in the world. They're firing all of their talent so that they can syndicate one show like Los Angeles or New York. And instead of paying 10 different disc jockeys, they only need to pay one disc jockey. Sure. And right. So he was saying they're doing the dumbest thing ever. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my own show and people are going to be able to play it whenever they want. And it's called a podcast. So see you later radio. I'm, I'm out of here. Anyway, that was, uh, I start, I moved on to Adam Carolla and then Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony got me. I knew when I heard Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony, I was going to be doing, I had to do some type of talk radio. It was just, it was perfect. Perfect. So Howard Stern, so you had to have gotten the serious, you didn't hear him on terrestrial. Cause that yeah. Cause he, he was, he's been on serious since like, what, 2005 or something? Well, that's the thing. So you don't have to have, you don't really have to have serious because he's got 20 years worth of work on YouTube. So that's how uh, I was introduced to Howard Stern. Okay, so originally YouTube. A, okay. Yeah, 14 years old, listening to Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony, just their old shows on YouTube. And, and to this day, ever since 14, I fall asleep and I listen throughout the night. I, I don't hear it, but I'm sleeping to it, either some type of Opie and Anthony or Howard Stern broadcast. Um, wow. That's they hardcore speak to my soul. That's I don't know. amazing. I can't get enough. That's great. So when did you start your own podcast? It's relatively new, right? Is it a year or two old? We just passed the one year. It's, it's me actually. I just passed the one year anniversary of West coast radio. And, um, I've been doing it though for at least in, since 2014. So I, I came from radio. I was a radio producer, like a top 40 station in a media market. And, um, I was, I had been practicing doing podcasting ever since then, but I was just too nervous to put my stuff out, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't want to be judged. I was, I was afraid it wasn't good enough. I was afraid I wasn't mature enough. There were some confidence issues too, not issues. It just, it takes a lot of confidence, doesn't it? To try to put out a podcast. Um, yeah. And- I mean, you're, you're putting yourself out there for sure. And, uh, you know, you could have the guests berate you or you could have people judge you or, I mean, I've gotten some pretty nasty negative comments. Like I've had people flat out say like, you're a terrible interviewer or this was a terrible interview or, you know, it's just like, Whoa, really? Okay. So for me, I always knew the show that I wanted to do was a human show. I mean, no holding anything back, no bullshit. If I Mm want to smoke weed on the show, I'll smoke weed on the show. If I want to talk about, um, you know, people who like to get tied up sexually on the show, I think it's called Shibumi or something like that. Uh, then let's talk about it. But I also knew that if I did that and I put my voice out there, then it might affect a regular career if I had to put food on the table that way. And that's what scared me. So that's why it took me six years to finally build up the confidence to put out my own podcast. Um, But, you know, coming from radio, I knew that podcasting was the future. Radio is not going to be able to compete with, you know, I've got my phone right here. Whenever I want the Chuck shoot podcast, I can have it, you know, at, at the, at the press of my finger. Whenever I'm going on a road trip, my commute, whatever. And the advertisers, by the way, aren't they going to want to advertise on that platform versus a platform like radio, where if you miss their commercial at 3.30, mm-hmm. you miss it? Right. So uh, 
So I knew coming from radio that this was the the market I wanted to, to transition to. I wanted to bring a talk radio style flavor to the podcast world. So that's kind of what it is. That's kind of the theme is kind of a talk radio. And you even have callers call in and and you have yeah, little absolutely. bits and uh, and it's cool. So uh, you've had some really interesting guests. You have such a large variety. How do you find guests? That's a great question. It started off by me just asking people. And I would ask people that interested me or people that found me on Instagram um, and said, hey, I like what you're doing. I, you know, if I looked into what they were doing and I liked it, I would ask them to come on the show. So at first it was me reaching out to a lot of people. And then after a while, PR companies started to find me. And I don't know how that happened, but it was one of the luckiest things ever because after hmm. the PR companies started to reach out to me, I got guests from all over, not only the, the country, but I mean, they were just from every different career and walk of life, and they had been through so many different experiences. That changed the game for me. And again, I don't know how they they found me, but um, I just started to get emails from all these different PR companies one day, and that was the game changer. That's how I really started to di- diversify the guests. Yeah, no, that's great. And yeah, I have the same thing. I have PR companies because they'll see if you do certain interviews with certain people or hashtags. I don't know how they fight. Yeah. Cause they'll, they'll, they'll find you. I mean, they just Google podcasts or whatever. That's great. So now one of the guests he had on the guy, uh, I forget his name, Jeffrey Medford or something like that. He's a, the Bigfoot expert. Now that's one that you sought out though, right? Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Yes. Meldrum. He's also, he's also on Hulu, by the way, the Hulu Sasquatch documentary for those of you who haven't seen it yet. I really, really recommend very good. Um, yeah, I sought him out. So I had, I had read his book and I thought it was very interesting, his approach to Bigfoot and how he looked, you know, he basically what he was saying is I'm not saying I believe in Bigfoot. What I'm saying is I'm a worldwide leading expert on bipedal hominids. I think that means monkeys that walk on two feet. Not sure. Okay. Um, no, that but, sounds right. Yeah. He, he said, I'm an expert in this field and there are tracks from all over the country that suggest there's a large fucking ape that lives in the woods. That's what I'm saying. I'm a scientist and I see this evidence. So, uh, yeah, I sought him out and we had, we had a great conversation. I haven't released the second part of that conversation, by the way. Um, we, we did two hours worth of talking. One hour was on Bigfoot. The second hour though, it was important to me to show the world, Hey, listen, this is a human fucking being. This is not a Bigfoot uh, conspiracy type person. This yeah. is a scientist. A smart he's guy. Also a he's a smart, he's a, he's a normal guy. So we talked about what is it like to get your PhD? What is it like to go through grad school? What's your advice for me? Um, what is it like to be a dad and going from one of the best school districts in the country to move into Idaho? And now your kids kind of have to be in control of their own academics. So that's going to come out later as well. Um, but that was actually a really pleasant conversation that most people wouldn't see that side of a Bigfoot researcher. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I haven't even listened to the first part. I, I definitely plan to, cause I, uh, spoiler alert, I, I plan to try to have him on my show if I can, if I can get him. Cause I think, I think it's a very fascinating, I want to make sure and do my research and, and, uh, does he have a book? I want to read the book first and really understand where he's cut because it's really a fascinating topic. And yeah, a lot of people just laugh it off, but I mean, if he's a scientist and he's saying these things, there's some evidence like I like to keep an open mind with all that stuff. UFOs, ghosts. I mean, I always try to keep an open mind. I'm obviously skeptical, but it's nice to, if there's research and stuff, you, it's interesting. That's Did my I tell thought. You about the ghost. Did I tell you about the ghost? Oh yeah. You sent me the I, clip. I've seen a ghost. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, you I've saw a ghost. A, I've seen a ghost. Cause you had one on your clip or your radio and you sent me the clip of, uh, uh, you said, if there's a ghost here, make a noise. And like uh, the noise got made. Yeah, I, I can play that right now. I don't, will it trend? Will my roadcaster play through? I can play the ghost clip for. I don't know. You could try it. See if you have it. Yeah, you show, you showed it to me. It's pretty cool. 
But you also saw it? one? No, I can't hear shit. Okay, yeah, if you can't hear that, didn't it didn't work. But um, yeah, I saw a ghost. I, I, I'm not the type of person to say I believe in ghosts, but um, my dog saw it first. It woke me up. My dog was, it went fucking nuts one night. And I mean, it was just going nuts. And it was a tiny puppy. And I looked up and something was walking towards me. It, and I could describe it to you if you want me to tell you, if you want me to tell you this story, but um, I saw one. I mean, I, I undeniable, undeniable. How much weed had you smoked that day? Didn't smoke weed. Really? No, I didn't smoke. I was, I was young. I was like a freshman in high school. Okay. And, um, yeah, don't, don't smoke weed early guys. Wait, I think 21 is actually a great age to start smoking weed. Um, wait, you can, you know, you can always start later. I think that's good advice. Okay. Um, So yeah, tell me, I've always wondered that what it looks like. Uh, I had a guy, uh, when I went to, uh, a friend, Long, long story short, a friend of mine, uh, his dad worked on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And uh, so I got to go there and I was in the green room and I was talking to the guy that worked there. And he said that the, that building, they, 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 they see ghosts all the time. And he saw one. And I was like, what is that like to see a ghost? And it's like, it's like you kind of see it out of the corner of your eye and it's just like a flash. Like it's very quick. Is that how yours was though? Or no? No, 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 no. Really? It was blinking and it was still there. It was the weirdest thing ever. That's freaky. Yeah. What did it look like? All right. So also I'm, I'm 26 now. So if I maybe um, schizophrenic or anything, it would have already more symptoms would have shown. Like, I mean, I, I don't have anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, think you're schizophrenic. Yeah. No, I worked in, I worked in psychology for many years. I have a degree. I'm not going to diagnose you as that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So my freshman year of high school, it was summertime in between freshman and sophomore year. And my dog Apollo slept on the corner of my bed. Um, it was just a regular night, except the only caveat is I'm Korean and I don't know if this is Korean custom or not. My grandma always said, you know, if, if you ever, she would say it's a Korean custom. If you, if you ever say, I hate you to your family, that's inviting evil into your life. That's an evil thing to say. If you, if you say, I hate you to somebody that you love, like a family member, that's really, really bad. That brings bad juju to or towards you. So you don't want to do that. Only one time ever in my life, I said, I hate you to my parents. It was earlier that day. Um, I just point that out because it, you know, not for nothing. Hmm. Uh, and I didn't mean it. You know, I felt bad later on. I do not hit my parents. I love them. I yeah. just got a little angry. So as kids do, yeah, as yeah. humans do, I was sleeping in bed and my dog started to go. Mm-hmm. And it was enough where I felt the vibrations. I, I wake up and I don't open my eyes and he's going. And then I, I open my eyes and he's, he starts to snarl, but he won't leave the edge of my bed. He's like leaping, but he won't leave the edge of my bed. So I look up and there's this thing. And the way I describe it is it's about five feet tall, uh, really, really skinny. I could make out arms, legs. I could make out, it's just incredibly skinny though. Um, hmm. Slender. I could make out a bone structure. Uh, and it looked like it was wearing, um, like if you look at samurai clothing underneath samurai armor, that's the first thing that popped up in my head when I was looking at it. It was like draped in something baggy, but it looked like samurai armor, some shit. So the color of it was, and this is after years and years of telling the story, I've, I've crafted it where I can actually make sense of it. So that's why I'm able to speak it so fluidly. Um, the best way I can describe this, and some of the story, parts of this story, it's otherworldly. You can't describe it with human language. Just impossible. Like it was, hmm. it's, it was too weird. So this is one of those parts, but the color of it was, if you look at a night sky, just look up. It's, it's black, but it, it's kind of endless. You know what I mean? Like almost gaseous. Okay. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about? It, yeah. just, it goes on forever. So that's what the color of it was, but it was oozing 
like this. It the it, it, again, it's otherworldly, but the best way I could describe it is like purple, like purple glitter dust. It was oozing this weird purple shit. Um, and it again, it was gaseous, but and it's it wasn't purple. It was just the, that's the best I can do to describe it. Um, and so I'm looking up at this thing, and just like you said, how some people see it at the corner of their eye. I was going, okay, let me blink and it'll go away. So like I blinked and my dog is still going fucking nuts. It's standing right there in front of me and it's like, it's standing up and it starts walking. So this is the part that I'll never forget ever, ever, ever. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And we go back to the otherworldly thing. It started walking towards me. Like I'll do it for the camera. I'll try it. Like (laughs) exaggerating. It was exaggerating its limb movements. Okay. This sounds scary as hell. You say it's beautiful. Well, I'll tell no, but I'll tell you, I'll get to that. So it was one foot in front of the other, one arm in front of the other. It was like the most exaggerated supermodel walk ever. And it stood at me and looked down at me and it just stood there for a while. And I looked up at it and the way it was walking, it was, it wasn't making impact with the ground. That's what was so beautiful about it. It was a, like a, a glide. It was almost like it was flying forward. And even though my dog was snarling, I was having this pure terror, pure awestruck moment it was it was again i'm watching an alien here you know so i'm looking at it as it's looking down at me and i'm trying to take it in and then it just disappeared and so this is maybe a 20 second ordeal this was a long ordeal and when it disappeared i went okay get up just fucking run to the light as quick as you can so i closed my eyes i ran to the light and i started crying it was it was it wasn't even like um, a terror cry. It was like an adrenaline dump. I couldn't handle what had just happened to me. And so I started petting my dog and I started crying. I turned my TV on and I sat there all night until the next day. And I told my parents, I, to this day, I have not slept in that room again. I changed rooms after that because it was, it was more beautiful than scary. As I look back on it, I don't feel like I was in danger. I don't feel like it was going to kill me or anything like that. Um, it just, it almost felt like Stargate SG one. It just felt like two dimensions like overlapped or something that that's what it felt like more than a ghost or a demon visiting me. But, um, and it sounds crazy and I don't give a fuck. Listen, all of you listening to the show, I don't give a fuck what you think. I literally don't give a fuck. Um, but that's what happened. And I never saw anything like that since I had that experience with that little thing that spoken in my microphone um, a year ago on the show, but i never saw anything after that. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because if it was something, a mental issue, you'd probably see more than, it wouldn't be a one-time thing. It was, it was, um, I I can't deny it. Like I said, it was, it was undeniably real. And that's and I, the I stories most of the people have is like, um, in their mind, like, I'm not saying that yours isn't real. I'm just saying it, but it, the very, you have to acknowledge that in their mind, they're not making the story up. Uh, you know, they're in their minds. It's, it's as real as you and I talking and it, it may have been, I mean, it's just crazy when you hear, there's so many stories like that and there's stories from, uh, you know, military pilots and stuff that are seeing UFOs and things. So, I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there, but, uh, getting back to uh, your show, got kind of sidetracked here with the Bigfoot thing, but what other, um, are your, some of your favorite guests that you've had on favorite guests? I love all of them. That's not true. Some of them I don't like very much. Some <laughs> of them I don't like at all. Really? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay, well, then who are your least favorite guests? No, 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 no. Uh, some of the favorite ones are one of my favorite stories ever. Is it's early? It was early on in West Coast Radio. It was the Ballad of Chris Lorraine. It was a two part series of my friend Chris Lorraine, 
and he's a rock and roll musician in Los Angeles. Um, so he tells his story of him going from Alaska to LA with like, you know, the classic $7 in my pocket type shit. Okay. So it was kind of like this cocaine boozing bender trying to, you know, DUI your way from, and it's very irresponsible, but trying to DUI your way from Alaska all the way down to LA. And there was divine intervention in between that got him to LA. So many, I mean, he met a witch along you know, all these crazy types of things. Um, that you meet, by the way, uh, if you want an adventure in your life, I think it's called Grant Pass, Oregon. Yeah. For some reason, there's a there's a thing where drug dealers, artists, they all conglomerate down there, you know, maybe to make a few bucks to trim some weed, uh, make their way from Pacific Northwest, Northwest to California. All types of crazy shit goes on at Grant Pass, Oregon. Um, so anyway, he, he had a crazy story from there as well. But that's one story that really sticks out to me. I, I love the Odyssey. The Odyssey has always been very fascinating to me and making it from Alaska to LA, um, you know, living on a prayer, just like Bon Jovi. That is one of my favorite stories. That's, that's really cool. Are there any guests that you had that stressed you out or made you feel uncomfortable or just have a bad interview like that? Yeah, I didn't include it. Um, really? Part of the reason I didn't, I didn't include it, I, I didn't put it into the show was because the audio quality was so bad. Mm. Um but there was one show where the audio, it was just, there was too much lagging, so mm. much lagging. And it was early on with this band from Tacoma. They're called Modern Days. And for some reason, there was just no chemistry. I had known some of them from mm. high school. Okay. But there was just no chemistry. In my opinion, they were very rude. Mm. Um, in my opinion, also, I should have recognized early on it was not going well, and I should have shut it down. But I thought at the time it was more, it would be more professional to try to keep a show going, even if it's going dog shit, even if it's a complete disaster. Um, I thought at the time, oh, you need to keep going until the show's up. Just keep going through. I learned since then, it's your show. And when it's time to make the call, you know when it's time to make the call. So just fucking end it. Uh, and there are times when that's appropriate, in my opinion. Uh, I learned that lesson then. Uh, they were just very rude. Huh. It was it was weird. So and it wasn't asked, anything you did. It was just, what were they doing? Not answering your questions or... No, I, I said, listen, can we do this some other time? We're lagging really bad. No, no, no. We got to do it now. Let's do it now. No, we can just do it now. We'll sit next to the router. And that was my first cue. I should have said, no, we're going to do it again. But I was, it was early on. Mm. Uh, you know, and a lot of times you have to make mistakes to know how to perform better next time. So, yeah, uh, that's very true. There is a, there is a situation where I said, hey, because I can't see you, we weren't doing Skype because I can't see you. Uh, I just want one person. I like to do one-on-one -on -one interviews. Is that possible? They go, yeah. So then one person shows up and then like two minutes later, the rest of the band shows up. Mm. So now it's, it, I'm like, okay. Hey guys, I can't do this. I, I can't see you. Right. It's going to be a shit show. That's tough. And they go, Oh, we'll treat it like kindergarten and pass the walking stick around. I got very upset then. I didn't like that at all. And I, I knew at that point, fuck you. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a fuck you attitude. The one thing I did that might've pissed them off is their drummer, at CU Boulder back in the day fell face first out of a four story building onto the sidewalk Oh my God. after they were partying and uh, he, he was very drunk and fell out face first on the sidewalk. So I asked him, I said, Hey, uh, what were you thinking in between falling out of the window and hitting the pavement? What were your thoughts in between? Because I think that's a pretty interesting question. I would want to know, you know, mm -hmm. and they kind of, they seemed like they were a little bit miffed about that. So maybe, you know, maybe there I made a mistake. At the end of the day, though, it was just a bad show. It was a, it, it didn't go well at all. They were very rude. 
And it's my job, I think, to recognize this is a bad show. I don't like this is not a product I want to put out there. Um, so fuck it, we're done. And I should have ended it there, you know, 20 minutes in and went on with my day. Uh, but again, you have to make those mistakes to know how to perform better in the future. Yeah, no. And I always struggle with that too, because I've had a couple, I've had two interviews in my opinion that I struggled. I was like, do I put this out? Do I not? And then for me, I just thought, you know, I went through all the trouble and all the work and uh, let the people decide if, if it was really that. And if I screwed up, then, then like, you know, I'd like to know, I'd like to have that feedback from people. So it's interesting when you do put out something like that, like you definitely get some bad feedback, but I also got a lot of good feedback about, you know, it wasn't your fault. You did this right or whatever. So, but uh, I know like you, you know, deep down whether you made a mistake or not. And it's like, if, if you can learn from that, that's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, I, I'm better because of it. Absolutely. I'm certainly not losing any sleep over it now. No, yeah. Me, me either with my bad ones. So I like the variety and the spotlight on kind of like independent artists that you have with your show. Um, but do you think it would be good to throw in bigger names on your guest list, like entertainers, like musicians or comedians or writers or actors, or does that just not interest you? You know, I just don't give a shit. I, I have people on my, I, I like the common man. I like the hmm. common, I like the common person. And I think that if somebody who's a huge name came to me and said, this is why I want to be on your show, then I would go, absolutely. I'd like to have you and tell your story here. But, you know, for the meantime, I love, part of what I love about the common person is they haven't had the chance a lot of times to tell their story that many, that many, they haven't had that many opportunities to tell hmm. their story. This is a very important occasion for them. You know, they're going to put all of their juice and zhuzh into the conversation because, you know, it's, it, when, the opportunity to tell your story for the vast majority of people is a precious thing. It's a really precious thing. Mm -hmm. And um, in my opinion, nine times out of 10, and this goes back to my talk radio days, and I'm still a student of talk radio, and I still think it's true. The common individual is going to have a more interesting story than the big time actor. Always, always. I mean, you, 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 I'm telling you right now, you get a truck driver from Route 66 at stationed in Phoenix that goes back and forth from LA to Chicago. They're going to have some crazy stories, probably more interesting than some of the big name musicians that you've had on, you know, yeah. and, and the musicians are great too. I'm not saying that, but for me, I love the common individual and I love the person who is an artist right now who's got the fucking hunger. They haven't made it yet. Yeah. That's true. No, that's a really good point. It is interesting. Like I, like we were talking a little bit off air, I think about a lot of the musicians I, I interview, like sometimes like the story starts to get repetitive. You're like, I feel like this is the same story with a lot of bands. And so I mean, that's why I don't just do musicians too. I have comedians, but also like uh, writers and, and I'm trying to brand, I've had a couple, uh, uh, like I had a conspiracy, a couple of conspiracy theory guys, and I'm trying to branch. I've got I've got some other ones that are, that are coming on that are, that have lined up that I don't want to mention yet, but uh, those should be interesting too. It, I, I like variety. I think that's the key for me, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think you should maybe mix it up and have a couple big names. There's gotta be somebody that you're a fan of that you would want to have on. Like maybe you can't get Adam Carolla, but there's gotta be somebody that you really like that would be cool to interview. Uh, you know, I just put one foot in front of the other. I, yeah. I the, the honest truth is I do what I want. Um, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I do the same. That's why my name, that's why my podcast is just Chuck Shoe Podcast. Like I don't do like rock talk or some of these other shows that are, they're very niche. And then they're, I feel like they get kind of stuck with that. And yours is the same way. It's West coast radio. That could, that could be literally anything. Yeah. Yeah. And all I mean by that is when it's right, 
then it's right. But for me, the follower count, the name, that doesn't interest me at all. The, the way I look at it is just tell me what the story is on paper. What story do you want to tell on paper? Take the name out of it. Um, and then I go, I go from there. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm that, that just feels right right now. It feels appropriate. Um, feels very good. There's peace within my heart about that situation. So that's kind of how I approach it. I do have a question for you about the comedians though, if I may. Okay. Do you ever feel, do you feel, and they're, they're funny granted, but do you feel pressure to laugh sometimes? You know, I no, I don't. Okay. It's funny because actually I think we talked a little bit about this on your, when I was a guest on your show, but um, yeah, a lot of the comedians, I think you brought it up with, uh, you felt like Mark Norman was like, you thought there was a sadness there, but I think there is definitely, some of the comedians are very serious and, and almost kind of dark in interviews or, uh, you know, when they're not on stage. So it just depends on, um, what comedian I'm having on because some of the conversations that I have with those comedians are, are like very serious conversations. So no, I don't feel pressure to laugh at in those instances. Um, if they make a joke, I mean, I can't really, I'm not very good at, I don't think I'm very good at fake laughing. I mean, I might smile and, and, you know, kind of go, ha, you know, kind of like that. Um, because you know, they're, they're being, they're smiling and I'm trying to reflect that back. But you, when you see me laughing and with the comedians and I'm like cracking up, that's real. I'm not faking. Like when I just had a Nick Hoff on, he was hilarious. He was making me laugh really hard. Like you could look at some of those stories. He's talking about getting fired from Kmart. I mean, I was just cracking up. I think he's really funny and he's really comedic in interviews, which, you know, not every comedian is. And, and that's just, it doesn't mean that the, and it's neither one is a uh, good or bad, but it's just, you know, it's different. Like you said, with a uh, pressure to laugh, I, yeah, I definitely don't feel that. I, I think I'm a pretty easy audience anyway. So if a comedian wants to make me laugh, they can usually get me. Okay. Yeah. But so anyways, uh, back to you and your show. So besides the guests, now let's talk about you started doing this thing where you do the solo show and you do, uh, you did one without a guest. And then your, do- your goal is to do 10 shows a year like that. And I think you had somewhere, it was kind of like that too, where you, you had a guest, but you weren't really talking about the guest story. You were, you guys were kind of doing more like highlights of the week, like new stuff. And this, uh, I love this stuff. This, the, these episodes that I've heard like this, where you guys talk about, um, news stories, cause you're bringing up really interesting stuff. Thank you very much. My goal, and I, I let my interviewees know this, or my guests, much better word than interviewees. I always let my guests know this before we start the interview. Um, it's more important to me that people know who you are versus what you're doing or what you're trying to sell. Because if people know who you are, they're going to be interested in you and your passions. That's, that's my opinion. And Howard Stern yeah. taught me that. So Howard Stern, when somebody went on his show, they weren't going to be talking about the movie at all. Like if Cameron Crowe or Cameron, that's the director, right? Cameron Crowe. Yeah, he's yeah. great. You know, I just saw that almost famous for the first time this weekend. Oh, Very isn't that nice. great? Yeah. Very nice. That's a good movie. Um, but yeah, so Cameron Crowe wouldn't be talking about almost famous until maybe the last five minutes of the show. For the most part, Howard Stern wants to show you who, who Cameron Crowe is. So it's not like I'm doing anything original. But I, I do think I'm doing something that is timeless. You, everybody wants to know who is the person behind the project. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to do. I try to say, hey, what are you thinking about this very relatable subject that everybody that's on everybody's mind right now? Yeah. Um, another favorite episode I did with, uh, his name is Dogbite Harris. He owns Ruckus in the Records. He's a singer-songwriter, real salt-of-the-earth dude, really um, a good friend of mine. I think I've heard um, at least one of the episodes with him. I've definitely heard that name before. Yeah. Love that guy. But, um, 
Yeah, Dog Bite Harris. Um, oh, what was the subject we were talking about? I forgot. Is that uh, doing solo shows and then uh, talking about the guests and then their stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm sorry. So we were talking about school shootings, and so mm. Dog Bite Harris. You know, um, this guy. He is from. I think Hepner, Oregon, middle of nowhere, singer, songwriter, owns a record business. Who's ever asked him about school shootings before? Well, he's a father. He's got a really great opinion on that. Let's talk about that. So that's what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So getting people's opinions. Just, I, I just want to know who I'd rather know who you are during the interview versus what you, what you want to introduce to the audience. What, project you're introducing to the audience I'll, I'll let them know i'll let them know in the show's description i'll let them know exactly where they can find the product and i'll let them know you know sure. in a little blurb before and yeah. after the interview goes on so uh, for me that's what's important i just want to know who you are yeah no i agree you had some interesting uh stuff recently you're talking about apple versus facebook and uh the death penalty and uh you know banning uh, plastic bags and wash i mean you had all these crazy uh topics. And I thought it was like, wow, this is stuff like that's really interesting. How do you find these news stories? Because some of them are obviously really mainstream. Um, but I feel like some of the stuff is lesser known. Like I'm not hearing people talk about this. Um, and I haven't heard too much political stuff. Is that, is that by design? I don't really give a shit about politics. I think they're fucking us from both ends. Um, I agree. That's just how I, that's just what I think. I, agree. So I, I don't give a fuck, man. They're both, they're all, listen, the Democrats and Republicans at the end of the day, they all live in million dollar homes while people are struggling and they're all working out together in a really luxurious, like Senator's gym, uh, eating really great food together, laughing together. We just don't see it. So anyway, right. uh, politics to me, it's like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it's, I just go by my interest for the most okay. part. And I want to hmm. make a, a note that I'm going to do 10, at least 10 solo episodes this summer, not just this year. I want to try to get that done oh, by okay. this summer because- I think it's an important skill to have, to be able to do solo broadcasting. Um, and it's something that I'm not necessarily very good at. So I want to get better at it. And I really had a good time doing that first episode. So, um, so yeah, that's why I want to do 10 this summer. Well, so you talk about, you know, you say you don't care about politics and stuff, but some of the stuff goes hand in hand with like the death penalty. I mean, that's, those are like laws and politicians are making a lot of those uh, decisions or like, what are your thoughts on when you, you talked about the, I didn't listen. I don't know if I listened to the full episode about the, the Washington, how they were, you had a guy on there that was saying Washington banning the plastic bag is actually doing more harm than good. What are your thoughts on the plastic uh, straw ban? Cause I find that the, so bizarre to me. I think that is so weird that people will drive in their cars and they've got a plastic bag and they've got a plastic phone and they have all these plastic things around them. But for some reason, even, even at the restaurant that they're in, they will not use a plastic straw, but they'll have a plastic cup and a plastic plate and a plastic fork. And that's okay, but the plastic straw isn't. Do you think it's a little, like, hypocritical? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know enough about it. I heard that banning plastic straws is worse in the long run for the environment than not, than not banning plastic straws. I don't know how that plays out, but I heard that it's, like, worse for the sea turtles and stuff. Oddly enough. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, I, I, I'm in the desert here. I'm pretty sure that if they ban I and mean, the plastic straws that we have are not going to the sea turtles, like we don't have any sea turtles in Arizona that I know of, unless maybe they're in the, the aquarium or something, but they're going to a landfill out in the desert. Like, I don't know if that's, I have no idea. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure. I don't know too much about that stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea about the plastic. I, I haven't looked up looked it up at all. What? So, what was the conclusion with that? I didn't. I didn't finish that episode with the guest you had on, uh, with the plastic bags. How did? I didn't understand how he thought that was going to do more. Because isn't it? Is it just because it's like people are using the cloth bags and then they're rinsing them and they're using water and that's a more precious resource? Or no, what happens is when it has something to do with when you're making the stuff. So when you're making a plastic bag and when you're making a paper bag. Uh, or when you're using glass bottles, that's the easiest one. I remember that the most clearly. So glass bottles, everybody goes, oh, okay, that's the most eco-friendly, but it takes a ton of gas because of how heavy the gas bottles are to transport mm. that stuff around. It takes a lot of emissions to make the glass bottles versus making a plastic bag. So emissions wise, glass is way worse for the environment than people just using a like a plastic bottle in the long run. And then when it came to the plastic bags, it had something to do with the emissions that it took to make the the paper bags. Like, and also people uh, in Virginia, they banned paper bags because people just don't use them twice. So yeah, maybe if you found a way to reuse a paper bag a ton, then that might be good for the environment. But the problem was people are only using a paper bag one time mm-hmm. and that's it. So the emissions that it cost to keep producing these paper bags was, was uh, it was too much. It's even true for cotton reusable bags. Those were worse for the environment in the long hmm. run than the, you know, shitty choke on them plastic bags that we use too. But, um, th- and this research is very easy to Google. Yeah. Um, it all comes down to how much gas is being used pretty much right. to make the stuff and transport it to the grocery store. No, that's a really good point. That's a thing that people, I think the, the best way, if you really want to help the environment, uh, you know, really not using plastic straws and this kind of crap. I don't think that makes a dent. I think if you really want to uh, make a difference in the environment, you use less energy. You, you, uh, you walk to work, uh, you, uh, turn your AC, uh, not as high, you know, those kinds of using less energy and just by kind of going Amish, I guess I would say the, the people that care about the environment the most are the Amish. Well, you know, it's, it's true. You're, you're going through a drought right now in Southern California's faces droughts every year and stuff. And I, and everybody goes, okay, you have to not use sprinklers on your lawns and take shorter showers. And that doesn't do anything really what it's all agricultural water use. So like, I think one almond takes a crazy amount of water for that almond, you know, to go into your mouth and be something that's edible. Uh, there's all types of really inefficient ways we use water in agriculture that we really need to tighten up, but that's like 99% of why we're in a drought right now. That's where all the water goes. So people mm. taking a shorter shower, doesn't it's do, on the news, but it doesn't, yeah. doesn't do shit. doesn't make a dent. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting down here. Um, I know the, the, or my neighboring city of Chandler, they have this thing called the purple pipe and it's like, it's a, what do you call it? Like wastewater. And then they recite, they filter it and put it through some system. So it's like you piss or you want, you know, dishwasher, all that kind of water goes through this thing. And then you wouldn't drink it. Cause I don't know if it's that good of a filter, but it's filtered enough that you can water your plants and your grass and use it to wash your car and stuff. So that, I think that's a, I don't know why, I don't know if that's not more widespread or why it's not, but I feel like that would be huge. I think that could really make a difference. And especially for agriculture, yeah, I got a question about Lake Havasu, but before I get to that, um, that guy though, he kind of got a little bit upset at me. I think the bl- the plastic to- bag guy. Hmm. Why? I edited his his fan was on and it was on really loud. Okay. And I I thought I could edit it or edit around that and maybe I don't know, but his fan was on too high. His his microphone was too low, and the combination of those two things, um, 
I did it on Skype. And that's why I don't like to do interviews on Skype. I prefer to have two separate audio files. Okay. This is going to go over your listeners' heads. Anyway, his fan was on too high, microphone on too low. So when I tried to boost his audio in post-production, of course, the fan drowned his voice out. So I had to be very creative in the editing process. And I asked him, I said, are you a lobbyist during the interview? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I heard that part. And you told me, I think you told me about this later too. Yeah. And he said, no, but that no, you couldn't make, you couldn't make any sense of that word. No, you couldn't hear it. Yeah. And then he said, and then I said, but you do advocate for policy. And he said, well, we, and then I, I, I included the rest. We do advocate for policy, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. But I took out that no. And I think he might've gotten upset at that. Maybe he thought I was trying to be creative. Mm. Um, but in reality, it was it was just for the best of the show. You couldn't hear it sounded like oh, ah, that's what it sounded like. So oh, I had to take it out. Yeah. Did Again, you, you the should, fan was too high. You send it that part to him that go ah <laughs> so that he no. knew. Yeah. No. Fuck him. I, he, if if he had a problem, he, it's his responsibility to tell me. I sent him a copy of the show. But okay. um I, I so anyway, he said, Yeah, let me let me include you on our media list. We'll contact you whenever we have a story. I really enjoyed the interview. Thanks for having me. It was very nice. Yeah. Canadian guy. Uh, nice. Great, great dude. Yeah. Uh, and, and then never heard from him ever again. Didn't shout me out on Instagram, which is always a sign. Somebody might be a little upset. That's only happened like once or twice. Oh, really? But if, yeah. yeah. But if somebody doesn't respond on Instagram, when you tag them, you know, you might know. Um, yeah. Sometimes I get that only because it's somebody that's like, not to be like rude, but there might be like kind of like too big or whatever, or they're just doing so many interviews. Like when I had Don McLean, he's like, they're just like, they're putting the mic on him and stuff. And he's like, who is this again? Like, you know, he was, he's just doing boom, 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 like 10 interviews a day. So he just, and I don't even know if he does his social media. So yeah, some of those guys, but I'm guessing the plastic bag guy is not being bombarded with it <laughs> with interviews. Well, what that tells me is yes, he was a lobbyist. So yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, no, my friends anyway. are lobbyists. They they said, well, that's what the word they use. They're like, we're lobbyists. I'm like, you are? I thought you just worked for a law firm. I don't, I don't know. But um, as a, that definitely is a negative connotation. I guess I, I, it could be greasy in some people's eyes, I guess. Um, but my question is about, about Lake Havasu. Oh, yeah. You had a question about Lake Havasu. Yeah. Lake Mead is almost dead. Is that true with Havasu too? Because the climates are similar. Uh, you mean like the water's level's too low or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I, last okay. time I was there, I, I think it was fine. Um, I know the level has come down, but, um, yeah, I think they get a lot of the, the, that stuff comes from the Colorado polar, the, uh, Colorado mountain and the Colorado river. They channel it. I don't, I mean, I'm really bad at that. I know people were saying when I moved to Arizona, they're like, Oh, they're going to run out of water in five years. And I was like, um, really? I've never heard that. And then it's been, I don't know how long have I lived here? 13 years and there's still water. So yeah, I don't know. I should probably, uh, know a little bit more about that, but, uh, I feel like they'll find a way they'll channel from some other lake or river or, or uh, melt off from a different, you know, maybe they'll just have to make a new, uh, channel from, you know, I mean, there's probably enough water if you go all the way from Alaska. I mean, that'd be kind of a long one, but I don't yeah, know. We'll get it. We'll get the water. They'll find a way. I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely, tr I worry about the environment for sure. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I think it's a little bit overblown in my opinion from the media, you know, thinking that I think when that, uh, what was that movie? The inconvenient truth came out. They said, if we don't stop this now, this, the world will be end in like seven years. And I was like, okay, well now it's been like more than seven years and, uh, the world didn't end. So 
the math was a little off on, on some of this stuff. Like I said, with the plastic straws, I just feel like they, they kind of like over, it's kind of overblown. I can, I can fix climate change forever. You can? How's that? I have the solution. We all go Amish? No. Okay. So get this. We all crank up the emissions, crank up the usage to 11, everything. I mean, we fucking hoard and glutton and just use and abuse as hard as we can. Okay. We all die as quickly as possible, the human race. And then in the blink of an eye, really, probably take 500 years, there'll be a new lush civilization where whatever survived will flourish without humans corrupting the world. We, we're the disease, really, right? So maybe let we all stop having kids. We enjoy life to the fullest. Just destroy the planet. and then. The planet will go into catastrophic failure. There'll be ginormous tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes that take out humans. 500 years later, no humans, beautiful earth. Everything's recovered. You know, Bambi's happy with his mother. No hunters to shoot them. It's perfect. Okay. It's an interesting strategy. Uh, I think that they can, I think they can solve this problem. I think it's just, it's going to be less use, more clean energy. I think it's, we're already headed that way. I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting there a little faster, which it sounds like, uh, the electric cars and things are, it's almost getting to the point. Cause I think the thing is when electric cars first came out, people were like, Oh, I'll buy this. And I don't have to, want to pay for gas. I'll save all this money. But if you look at how much money you pay in gas in a car for five years, it's like five grand and it's like 10 grand more to do the hybrid. So it's like really not worth it. It's more, it's probably just better to just pay for gas. But now I think those numbers are changing. It's getting cheaper for electric cars and the gas prices keep going up. So we might, but then it's like you said before with like, with the paper bags, like with electric cars, I don't think that's necessarily a hundred percent because they got to mine all these, uh, you know, uh, parts to these things and uh, uses gas and things to make this stuff. So I don't think it's perfect. And then what do you do with the battery when it dies? And who are the big three? You have like four GM. Who's the other one? Chrysler? Uh, I don't know. For car companies? Yeah, they're yeah. they're called the big three, but the the top three American car companies or whatever. I think that when they commit fully to electronic vehicles, I don't think Tesla can compete. I think what's really interesting about this new kind of pioneering movement of people driving electric cars is when's the right time to sell stock for everybody who's getting rich off Tesla stock right now? Because again, how can you compete with three of the you know, the top dogs in American car, the car company people, the Fords, the GMs, when they really put all of their effort and money into, but they suck electric car thing. I have a GMC right now. And it's like, I've, my car has been in the shop for two months and they wouldn't pay for it. And the airbags went off and it was a total nightmare. I would definitely not recommend American cars. I feel like they've been on the downslide for, I don't know, at least the last 20 or 30 years, if not longer. And I think Tesla, the thing with Tesla is they got, I mean, they, I don't think Musk is he, what is it? Did they fire him or what happened with that? But like, he's so innovative and he's, he's, he, he's a perfectionist and he wants things to be good. He really cares. I think most of the people that work at those companies you named, I don't think they give a shit. I think they win. I th- I just think, again, it goes back to the common person. I think all in all, the majority of people will do what they're already doing and that stick with the the major players, the main car company producers. Um, and I wish I knew who the big three was. I'll sound like an idiot if I don't say it, but um, I, I think they win in the long haul. I really mm. do. I think they're going to be the ones that most people buy their electric cars from. And the question is, there's a lot of people who are making a lot of money on Tesla stock right now. 
So when do you sell? Do you sell sooner rather than later? Because at some point, I think that it's going to go very, very quickly down. There's a lot of people who put money in Tesla, especially in the Seattle area. Yeah. So that's what I'm really interested in. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think, I think Ford and all those GM Chrysler, I think they're on the way they're like on the Kmart's and the JCPenney route. I think they're going to be bankrupt at some point. And I think Tesla's the future because they're innovative. And I think that they're trying new things and they want to make a high quality product. And I don't think Ford and GM give a shit, but that's just my opinion. That's just my experience. So I guess we'll see what we have a little, we have like a little gentleman's bet here. We'll see what, who's, who comes out on top. We'll see. It, I mean, it'll, it'll be about 10 years from now, 20 years okay. till we really find out, but it's we have GM, it recorded <laughs> GM Chrysler and Ford motor company. Those are the, okay. Three. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Okay. So now we got to talk about homeless people, even the, your cover art for your podcast, which is another question I had for you. Why is that your cover? art? It's a homeless guy with a shirt off walking down the street. Why is that your your artwork for your your podcast? I don't know. Why is Mona Lisa Mona Lisa? It just is. Why is the sky blue? Why are titties round? They just are. But mm-hmm. you chose that. Like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> why did you choose that? You could have picked any picture that you wanted. I mean, why didn't you? Like, you don't have a picture of yourself. You don't. It's like, how does that? What is that representing? How, so when people see that, I mean, your show's not about homeless people. The person's name is Saint Seattle, and why do you assume why do you assume they're homeless? Because the guy doesn't have any shoes or a shirt on. He's walking down the street, and he looks it's pretty. Seattle, though, is he homeless? Here's what this picture says to me: uh, th- This is a free individual, not a care in the world, hair in the breeze, and it's West Coast. To me, homelessness. By the way, if that's what you choose to to pick out of that picture. I think there's so much more to it, but homelessness is an element of the West coast that you can't tell the story of the West coast, major West coast cities, at least without talking about homelessness. It's an aspect of who we are. It's an aspect of our culture, but you have to also ask yourself, you know, you don't get a lot of information from this picture, but that person doesn't look that unhappy. Looks pretty free. Looks tan, looks muscular, kind of beautiful, um, but free, you know, utterly free, not a fuck to be given in the world. And in a sense, that's kind of the vibe of West Coast Radio. Now, for everybody listening, if you ever come to my community, of course, you're more than welcome. I encourage you to do so. If you check out West Coast Radio, the thumbnail picture is for you to decide what it really means. But uh, that was an interesting interpretation. That was the much deeper than I thought. Much I never would have gone. I just was confused. I was like, I don't, I don't get this cover art. So that now I understand it. Yeah, there's there. It's uh you know, you got to be, you got to look deeper. You got to look deeper into the photo. The, um, this, the name is St. Seattle and it was a summer's day way before West coast radio started. And I found this person and I was smoking a joint walking down, uh, the street in Capitol Hill. And I was just perplexed. It was a happy individual. He was having mm-hmm. a really good day. And I followed them, him for a couple blocks. And then when I, when I saw him cross the street on this road, I had to take the photo. So I took a number of photos and uh, that was the one I chose, but it's the perfect photo for the show. Does he uh, know that he's the cover art for your podcast? No, he's famous. Well, yeah. So, but I, you actually did an episode. I, I think I've heard you talk about it on at least one episode where you're talking about homelessness. And one of them was in, uh, in Olympia. I think that you had talked about how, they have this like homeless bathroom or something like in the very like main street part of the city. And it's kind of discouraging people from visiting because 
you know, they're trying to like go outside and have a nice sandwich on the patio and there's some homeless guy taking a dump. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's something going on. There's something very strange going on with how the homeless situation is being handled and it's all under the guise of being kind. Um, but it's under like, the guise, I like that. No, it's it, there's like a blatant ulterior motive or something. Like it's it's Think strange so. what's going on because the people are living in in filth and unhygienic conditions, and they freeze to death every su- every winter. There's heat casualties every summer. It's not it's not like our, the cities are being kind to these people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's not kindness, but they always attack the community when they try to call the city council out and they go, oh, we have to be kind or a homeless. And there's a lot of people who feel this way too in Seattle. A lot of times wealthier people who live away from the situation, they say, oh, you know, it's cruel to to do anything about the situation. Meanwhile, sometimes you'll walk into a bathroom and you'll see a line of blood splatter because somebody, you know, was trying to hit a vein and God, it's not their fault. They're hopelessly addicted by this point. Uh, the, at, at, at the, at the point in their life where they're in this situation, there needs to be intervention from the outside. Um, so the issue right now with Seattle in a lot of West Coast cities, in my opinion, is the home situation has gotten so bad. The lack of restroom, the lack of restrooms. What you're talking about is something called the Portland Loo. And it's like and it's on Fourth Avenue, the main street in downtown Olympia. It's an open bathroom. So you can see the person's shins. And you can hear them taking a shit out in the open. You can see their backpack on the floor. You just can't literally see the shit come out of their butthole into the, you know, <laughs> like it's absurd. Okay. Yeah. It's abs- and so that's what I'm saying. Like all this stuff is going on in our main tourist areas of Seattle and Olympia and Portland. And so mothers who are coming from Iowa to, to try to enjoy our city and all the beauty that it has to offer, they're not used to this shit. People from Texas are not used to this shit. So they come to our city and they go, I'm never coming back here because I'm seeing poop on the street. I'm seeing needles. I'm seeing people screaming bloody murder um, and it scares them. So I think we're going to get, we're taking huge tourism hits. Probably Um, I could only imagine. I think that we are very possibly going to lose talent. People graduating from some of the best colleges. They're probably going to work in tech hubs in the Midwest or maybe the South. Phoenix is growing really fast. Um, partly because they handle the homeless situation a little bit differently. Although it's getting worse in Phoenix, I hear too. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think the tough thing with Phoenix is it's hard to live out here if you're homeless because like you said, the heat casualties. But it's funny because I just saw right before uh, this interview a little piece on the homeless people in Venice Beach, California. And I thought this really there's just lines of tents. And I've been to Venice Beach and it wasn't that bad. I don't remember seeing any homeless people. I mean, there's artists and things and people doing poetry. There was a guy with a typewriter, a literal typewriter that would write you a poem for like a dollar or something. It was kind of cool. But now it's just literally people living in tents and, you know, mental health issues, drug issues. They had this veteran guy in a wheelchair and, you know, they they wanted to help him. So they took him to the VA and the VA offered to house him and help him. And he ended up back on Venice beach and they asked him like, what, what, what happened? Why don't you take the help? He's like, well, they wanted, they wanted to have curfews and, and, you know, it was like, it was in this room and, you know, if it's not beachfront property, I'm not interested. (laughs) He had standards. He's like, I want to live on the beach. And so, and so I think, I think another point that's interesting, you said, you mentioned Adam Carolla earlier and he had a good point about a lot of this stuff is like, nobody wants to be the bad guy. And it's like, you're the bad guy. And then they showed these people in Venice beach, the cops were coming down and citizens were like, boo, leave our homeless alone. And it's like, 
I mean, aren't we just enabling them to be dysfunctional and to have that blood splatter and, and be a heat casualty or a cold casualty or some sort of drug addiction or getting stabbed or what, like who knows from what else they could die of. I always hear that it's a housing issue, but from my experience, just walking down the street. And if you could ask anybody that I went to school with in Seattle, just anybody period. The thing is you can't put them in jail because I, they're, they're meant it's mental illness too. Like it's, there's a, it, mm-hmm. a lot of these people, I think that they can keep themselves alive, but there's real mental illness going on. So yeah, this person, I, I, I kind of get what he's saying. He's saying, I want to be free to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, I'm not built to be able to handle any of this type of structure. Part of that is because there's some mental illness going on and he's probably not taking care of his medications. Um, I'm assuming, and, and there's probably alcohol abuse, uh, drug abuse. So, um, it's a really complicated situation because you, you can't, put them in jail necessarily. Our jails are already so overcrowded. Uh, they don't really belong in jail and you can't force them to go to a mental institution. Um, so what the, what the hell do you do? Like, I don't know. I have no idea, but I, what I see, and I think is, it's different for everybody because I think some of them, if it's a really heavy drug thing and you know, they're not just smoking pot or something, if they're using heroin, I mean, I think jail might be the best thing for them because it forces them to clean up. They, they cannot, they literally cannot take heroin in jail unless they somehow find a way to smuggle it up their butthole or something. But, you know, cause there was a story, I don't know if you ever watched Seattle is dying, that little documentary, but they talked about that. And I think I want to say it was in Maryland or some East coast uh, place. They, they rounded up a lot of their homeless and put them in jail. And it really, and then you, you they interview some of the people and they're like, it was the best thing for me. It helped me. But I agree. It's not, not everyone should, some people are just full on mentally ill and, they just need uh, some sort of housing, but I don't think them living on the street, like you said, where they're not going to get their medication. And I mean, I feel like that's more of a danger to themselves. And so I don't, I thought there was a law against that. Like if you're a danger to yourself or others, you can be institutionalized, but I feel like somebody living on the street is a danger to themselves and others. Is that, I mean, it's, a, I don't know where we went wrong with it. I feel like that's what it used to be. I don't know what changed. Cause when I was a kid, we, there was like, scattered bums here and there in Seattle. But now when I drive through, I mean, I remember, I'll never forget the time I was driving to the Seahawks stadium and I saw these blue tarps and I was like, Oh, what's going on there? Construction project. And it was like, no, this is an encampment of homeless people. I was, my jaw dropped. I've never, and then it's just gotten completely worse and worse. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't know what the solution is, but I know it's a massive problem and something needs to change. The thing with jail is, I, I, the the Seattle is dying documentary is interesting because you know you have to remember they were very careful with who they decided to put on the documentary you know very selective in there um, in who they decided to put on there and it was all based on who was going to say what uh, they're funded totally Republican very mm-hmm. right wing they're funded by so uh, that's just something to keep in mind but I think when it comes to putting people in jail there's a couple aspects of sobriety number one there's the aspect of sobriety where you get it out of your system so you're not withdrawing anymore. But then there's the other aspect of sobriety where you still have the trauma and you still have that gaping hole that led you to use in the first place. And I I think that you can't just say, okay, we're going to put you in jail. You're going to go through your, you're going to sweat it out, go through whatever you're going to go through. And then you're back on the street. By the time you go back on the street, the trauma is not going to be resolved. Whatever. No, 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 no. I agree. No, but you're right. I mean, I I think there's more than just throwing them in a hole for 30 days and then throw them back out. No, you got to have the, the, they, I think they have the treatment centers and that's always a process of, 
of jail. There's so many services. If you go, I mean, you're going to get better healthcare if you're in jail than if you're just like working out in the real world and you don't, you know, you don't have a job with health insurance. I mean, have you been to jail? No. How do you really know then? I, because I've talked to people that have been there and uh, like I had, uh, the, the singer of enough's enough, Donnie V he was on there and he was complete drug. Out. He was a mess and he went to jail and they, uh, they fixed his teeth. He's like, he said something like he cost the state a hundred thousand dollars with all the dental work and all the stuff that, I mean, they fixed everything for him. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's not as good as some of the best health insurance out there, but you're going to get treatment. You're going to get, uh, there's a lot of services. I think with a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of things that are already out there, but it's like, people don't want to take advantage of it. It's like that guy they showed in the doc in the news story today, where he just said, I don't want services. I don't want to live in the VA hospital. I want to live on the beach. Leave me alone. So I don't, I don't even know if he had drug issues. He might just be wants to live on the beach, but that's the question. So that's what I don't know. And and again, it's, I, don't I think it's different for everybody. Either. I don't think there's a one. I don't think everyone should go to jail. I don't think everyone should go to drug treatment. I don't think everyone should be in a mental hospital. I think you gotta, you gotta look at each person individually. But I mean, the fact that we that just takes a let lot of money though, huh? That's, I mean, that takes a lot of money and a very that takes a lot of resource. There, I, I, I agree with you, but th- that's the issue of this whole thing, isn't it? It 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 would take a complete overhaul of what we currently have. Everything would have to be polished and better and more structured, more organized. We'd need a lot more people because of the mm-hmm. amount of homeless that are out there working in these systems. Like it would just, it would have, we'd have to do so much. Well, you got to start somewhere. Right. I mean, we have, right. we have You're some right. of the yes. most wealth in the whole world in this nation. So, yeah. I mean, all these people that say they care and that they care about people and they care about the homeless, put your money where your mouth is. Let's see what we can do. I, I think, yeah. And, and also I think, like I said, I think some of it is not enabling them and saying, and not letting them, oh yeah, you want to live on the street and take shit in in front of all these nice restaurants? Like, no, you can't do that. I'm sorry. Like, we're not going to let you do that. Like, I don't know. That's just my opinion, but. That's one thing I'll say about the famous East precinct in Capitol Hill. Um, that, that's the one that got taken over, right? In chop. Oh God. So I'm getting well, started on chop. Matter. I yeah. think it's called the East Precinct. I believe you. When Capitol Hill got taken over and the police station that got that got kind of just out, they got put out of business, they had right. to leave. I have seen those cops, and I'm not saying I'm here. I'm not uh, a cop's life mad. I'm not, I'm not a supporter of the cops or whatever. I'm not, not a supporter of the cops. I'm just a citizen. But I will just say, based off of observation, those police officers, when I was living in Capitol Hill, yeah. they took so much abuse and they just took it from homeless people and especially homeless people who were having episodes. Yeah. Like the the cops that got kicked out of their precinct, those cops, from my eye, they were always diverse as, as far as how they looked, you know, race and ethnicity, but they took so much shit from homeless people and they were very humane from what I saw. So- <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of think about that sometimes. I think about why they were chosen as the enemy and why they got kicked out because, you know, as we're talking about the homeless people, if it, it's weird. The media paints homeless people sometimes is it, it can get very dangerous. And I don't think that's re- that's been reported enough. Locally in Seattle, it is. But the, the homeless situation at times, it can get very dangerous. Even in the daytime sometimes in Seattle, like sure. Pioneer Square. Uh, I'll send you a photo of Pioneer Square right now after this interview is over. But I mean, we're talking a neighborhood encampment. Oh yeah, and open drug dealing, all of that stuff, and it can get it can get kind of dangerous at times. 
it's weird. I mean, the police are getting kind of shit on, but they take a lot of abuse from the homeless community. I, I, Seattle. Say what you will about the cops. I would not want to do that job. I think that's no. the worst job probably out there right now. I mean, there's might be a handful of other th- things that, that I would rather not do, but I can't imagine. And, and most of the cops I know, I mean, I had a police officer on the show. So nice. And, uh, there's definitely some assholes for sure too, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think a lot of them, you know, they're trying to do, but like, what, how do you handle that situation? I don't know. Well, I don't think we're going to be able to solve it either, but it's an interesting discussion and yeah. it'd be nice to hear some new solutions or at least see somebody, uh, you know, try something different. I don't know. It, none of us know. And that's the problem. I think even, even government, I don't even think they really know what to do. Um, otherwise it would have been done already. Yeah. I, I, I think if you want the, the real solution, probably as much as I hate to say it, because I'm, I'm against the man. I don't like the man, but the man knows how to do business. Probably just say, hey, Amazon, um, the city of Seattle wants to do a partnership with you since you're headquartered here. We'd like to use your expertise. How would you solve the homeless issue? And I bet you, because they're, um, they're a private business, they know how to be efficient in everything. They probably have some consultants that could go, okay, here's the data. Here's how we fix it. Boom, boom, boom. That's probably the best solution. Yeah, I, I, that's actually really smart. So back to your uh, show here. Uh, another story that you did, you talked about a Oklahoma football player. This was an interesting one, getting his ass yeah. kicked. And now his reputation's kind of ruined because that's what he's going to be remembered for. And you said that you had an interesting uh, take on this, though. You said that is something that you fear. That That is something you fear, like getting canceled or doing something stupid that everyone's going to remember you for that. It's It's... Being remembered is important to me. And, really? And, yeah, of course. And how you remember it, I think, is important. You know, I don't want to have kids or anything. The legacy is going to end with me. And I think it's important. That's what immortality is. There's, I think it's the Tao. Um, what real quick, I got to find out the book real quick. Well, shit, we can't have dead air on the radio. I guess I'll just talk about you bending over to look. Are you, are you looking on your phone? Or are you looking on the internet? Or it's, I can't find It's either the Tao or the Tao De Jing. But one of okay, those Okay, I believe books, you. You, you huh? broke up right there. What happened? It's either the Tao or, or the, the Tao De Jing. Okay. I can't find the book offhand, but that's fine. Anyway, the quote is diligence is the path to lifelessness. And what that means to me is if you work hard, um, and especially if you work hard in your passion and you're diligent and you keep going, then you'll be remembered forever. You'll be lifeless, you know, without life, you'll be immortal. Um, so it's important to me to be remembered. And I always think about, you know, how are people going to remember you when you conduct yourself today in this way or that way? So, I just, I'm, I'm always cautious of, will people remember you in a negative light if you go down this road or something like that? And especially in the modern day where if you're in Phoenix or you're in Seattle, there is literally one camera every foot, every foot. There's a camera and probably a microphone to capture your, your movements every foot you go. So you have to be, you have to consider that because that guy, that University of Oklahoma football player, his legacy forever is going to be that. And that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Well, so- what do you want to be remember, remembered for? I want to be rem- right now. I'm going to be remembered as a marathon runner forever. When you look my name up um, under the Seattle marathon, you'll be able to find me. You know, I'm a, I am a marathon runner. Uh, I want to be remembered as a Boston marathon runner. That's going to be one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. I've already spent four years training. Uh, it's going to take probably a couple more. You have to run six minutes in about 45 minutes, six minutes, 45 seconds per mile about for a a full marathon to be able to qualify for the Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dream is to be remembered as that. I want to be remembered as 
somebody who knew how to put on a great show. That's really important to me too. It's, you know, there's nothing better or only very, very few things better in this life than a great fucking show. And I want to know how to do that. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, I'll be known as a great partner to somebody. Uh, that would be nice, but not as much of a priority as the other two things. Hmm. Okay. And yeah. All right. That sounds good. So what is your strategy? Cause you're not on Facebook, YouTube, or I don't know if you're on Twitter or you don't, you're not very active on there. What is your strategy with not being on those platforms? And you're pretty much only Instagram, right? Yes. Why is that? Um, Okay, before I get to that, the other thing I want to say is also it's important to me to be remembered as educated because I am not the type of person that should ever have gotten a college degree. I can't <laughs> focus. I can't pay attention. Uh, it was so hard to do, but I, I got a college degree from Seattle University. I'm going to get my master's. That's also my goal. I want to get my master's at a good school because I figured out a way to get a good GPA after fucking up, having to go to community college and, and working my way up. I figured out how to do it. So I good. want to be remembered as an educated person too. All right. Well, that's good. Thank you. Like you, you're an educated Thank you. person. Yeah. Well-educated. Uh, the reason I haven't put all of my stuff out on all of these different platforms yet is just because of what I said earlier. I want to know how to put on a good show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of different opinions on this and I'm open to hearing it, but at the end of the day, I really don't care because I'm set in why I'm doing it. The, I haven't figured the show's not where I want it yet. You know, it's, it's not at the point where it's ready to be released. And this is going to be a long journey. I'm going to be here in 20 years. Uh, So it's going to be a long process. I'm not expecting to make really hardly any money right now. I've made, I've built a great community on, on Instagram and I've met great friends. I, I, I consider you a friend at this point. You know, I met you on Instagram. You're welcome. I Um, likewise, I consider you a friend. Thank you. Uh, So anyway, there's no rush. Right now, my heart will tell me. I, I'm my heart. It it'll give me a divine peace when it, when I'm really ready to do the marketing thing. But for right now, there's something missing. There's just something missing, and it's not something that makes me worry. I'm just I'm exactly where I need to be. Okay, that's, that's all I'm saying. And all so, right, um, fair enough. Are you yeah. seeing uh, growth with the show? Have you seen from episode? I think the first episode you posted was like the fifth episode. So, but from that episode on Spotify for the year, have you seen your numbers increase in terms of listens and followers and? I'll tell you why I'm, I'm, I'm deleting the early episodes. I'll tell you why afterwards. It's not cause I'm embarrassed of them, but I'll, I'll tell you why off the air. That's fine. But isn't it? Cause for me, that's, that's like really, uh, you know, because I like doing the show, obviously and I want to put on a good show that I like, but to see the numbers grow that more people are listening and finding it and reaching out to me, that is such a high. I mean, that's like, wow, I made something that someone else enjoys. Like, are, I'm assuming that you're seeing a l- little bit of that as well. Right. I mean, more than I ever expected in the first year. Yeah. That's great. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I mean, enough where, you know, it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, I, I get enough interest where I go, okay, you know what? Because I'm, I'm aware I'm not doing that much marketing. It's not spread that far. I go, wow, you know, this is nice. Uh, people are enjoying the work. I can, I can tell how long they're listening. They listen all the way through. That makes me, it makes me feel like somebody got a good meal in them, got a good show on them. That makes me feel really, really great. Um, but it's all just kind of icing on the cake right now. Cause I'm not really expecting it hmm. too much. Um, I haven't put a lot of work into marketing. Uh, most of my work is like I told you before, it's like gorilla stuff. So putting a flyer down in Seattle, which I yeah. think probably helps the most actually. It's really um, interesting. Yeah. I might have to try that. Yeah, I would give it a shot, especially in Tempe, right around Arizona State. Okay. You know, it's like a cultural artery. But 
uh, for right now, um, you know, I'm just happy where I'm at. And when the time is right, then I'll, I'll make the move to the other platforms. Awesome. Cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I do like to end each episode with a charity, um, as you probably know. So hopefully you have something that you want to promote here at the end or something that's near and dear to your heart. Give me one second. Oh no. shit. You gotta, yes, go- you gotta Google it. It must not be that near. And dear. <laughs> no, you know, here's, let me t- shut up. Let me tell you. What <laughs> I'm Googling, is it .com or .org? Oh, okay. That's yeah, fair. That's, that's a good fair. excuse, no. isn't it? Oh, that's good. That's good. No, I don't. The, you know, there's also just so many out there that it, it's the confusing their acronyms. And yeah, it gets. But uh, yeah, no, I just I, actually, like, I tried to come prepared with the picture, but I couldn't find an electronic version. Um, I that's fine. adopted my both of my dogs. And oh. uh, adopting a pet is so important to me. It's the Tacoma Humane Society. I don't know okay. if it's .org yeah, that's or .com. Easy. But yeah, no, I can, I can Google it. I'll figure it out. I'll put it in the notes. So anybody just check the notes. It'll be there. But yeah, you know, um, I got, especially my, my dog, Mikey, we got Apollo, my oldest dog. We rescued him when he was very, very young, but Mikey, uh, we got him earlier or later. So he was three or four and skin and bones, all his teeth were rotted out, just shivering. And the first picture we have of him before we met him was just this sad, he had a frown. And then after like six months of food and love, you see a smiling, happy, full plump dog. And it's, you know, the photo shows you exactly what love does. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, I mean, it's a physical change. It takes place when somebody's given love yeah. and affection and care and stuff like that. So anyway, adopt pets. Tacoma Humane Society is what I, what I recommend. Okay. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Everybody check out your podcast, West Coast Radio. I listen on Spotify, but I think it's on all, it's on Apple and all that stuff too, right? Absolutely. Can I give the website and Instagram? Absolutely. I'll Not put good. it in the show notes too, or I'll put, yeah, if you, it's the website that would have all the social media links. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just go to the inst- go to the website um, or the Instagram. It'll have everything. It's westcoastradiopodcast.com. Also, westcoastradio underscore. And I know uh, we got to get out of here, but, you know, I have guests. You want CEOs? I got fucking CEOs. You want to talk about Sasquatch? I got Sasquatch. Yeah. You want to talk about uh, diversity? We got, we got it all on West Coast Radio. Uh, most of all, it's a community. Chuck's a part of the community, and you could be too. You're more than welcome. All right. Thank you so much. So we'll say goodbye to the audience. And then if you want to stick around, we can uh, chat a little more. Yes, absolutely. All right. Goodbye, audience. Bye, audience. Well, there you go. Matthew W. Uh, The podcast is called West Coast Radio. Check it out. At the very least, check out the episode that I was a guest on because I think that was the best. It was really fun, like I said. And I just didn't know which questions he was going to ask me. It was really fun to talk about a variety of subjects. And it was really fun to talk to him. And be on the other end of it, today's episode where I was asking him the questions. I, I like hearing his takes on things, and I think he's a really uh, independent thinker, and I think that's uh, lacking a lot in podcasts and media today. So I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. So make sure to follow him, follow his podcasts. Also, as always, you can follow me, follow my podcast, like, share, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate your support, and I hope you have a great day. And remember, Shoot for the moon.